Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I'm Bill Knight. Happy, uh, well, it's Monday, yeah. <laughs> it is Monday. Start of another week. Mm-hmm. Boy, I was wondering on Friday, I wonder how much news I'll have on uh, Monday to talk about. Holy oh, smoke. I, I, I think it's going to get, uh, it's going to be a mountain high by end of the week. And, you know, we yeah. are tomorrow, we're two weeks out from the election. But, you know, people are early voting there. They're doing the mail-ins. And there's a lot of mail-in votes already in. Now, yep. it's funny because you got the MSNBCs and all of the news sources. And early votes bode well for Democrats. Mm-hmm. But yet they're sounding the alarm, you know, painting the stage of how the Republicans are going to steal the election. And I'm going, well, this would bode well for the, the left. What do they know that we don't know? Nancy Pelosi is absolutely convinced the Democrats are going to win. And she won't take no for an answer. Right. She was asked, well, what do you do if you become the minority? It's not going to happen. He said, you mean you, you're sure you're going to win? And the answer was yes, big. I, I think the fix is in. I think, though, they are seeing the early numbers, and maybe the left media really is that stupid, and they don't believe that the mm-hmm. that it was stolen, and maybe they'll believe their lying eyes. If they're seeing numbers right now that say red, 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 red wave, and all of a sudden it's blue because they tell us it is. Well, for example, in Pennsylvania – uh, end of last week, it was a dead heat. Today, this morning, Oz is up four points over over Fetterman. That's a big swing. That's a big swing. Yeah, well, all you got to do is listen to Fetterman. I mean, before you even listen to him, just look at him, and you're going, do I really want this guy in office? Yeah. Do I really believe in his policies? But now, and I'm sorry, I hope he gets well. I really do. Uh, but he is not capable of doing the job. Let me ask you a question. What happened in the Fetterman campaign at the end of last week that may have made a big difference? Do you remember? What happened at the end of the campaign? Biden came by to campaign for him. Yeah. And they were there, and it was at that one of those campaign rallies where Biden acknowledged that, that oh. Fetterman's wife yeah, was going to be the senator. Yeah. So you wonder whether that had an effect. But people may be saying, wait a second, I'm not voting for Giselle, you know, uh, Fetterman. I'm voting for John Fetterman. Well, yeah. And uh, t- take this any way you want to. But, you know, uh, the two of them side by side are the poster children for towers to idiots. But. <laughs> Towers to idiots. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure that there are some people on the left right now who are jumping through their their uh, iPhones and their iPads. Right, unbelievable. But that's true. I mean, if you see John Fetterman, the first thing that comes to mind when I see a Fetterman sign is, what kind of person lives in that house? How intelligent is the person who lives in that house? Really. Are they paying well, any attention to what's going on in the world right now? Or is it simply, I'm a Democrat, I got to vote for John Fetterman? Look, take, take a news camera and take a nice leisurely drive through the town of Braddock and pull up old pictures that are 20, 30 years old, mm-hmm. and you will see the improvements that John Fetterman oh. has made and all the handiwork that he did. 
Wait a minute. There are no. Yeah, I was going to say 20, 30 years ago, uh, Braddock had more business, more industry. Yeah. More steel mills were working in Braddock. I've been through Braddock. And look, when I was through there in, what, 94, having to go through there to the the library to go get a public file Mm -hmm. because the license was in Braddock. Yeah. And, uh, and nobody wanted to go. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm a corporate officer. I'll go. So I go. And I thought I was in bombed out Beirut. As a matter of fact, pictures I saw bombed out Beirut looked a hell of a lot better than Braddock. Well, Fetterman is responsible for all that. And he could do yeah. it for the state. Nancy Pelosi was interviewed on one of the weekend shows. I think it was Face the Nation. And first they said, what will happen if the Republicans take Congress, will you stay on as the minority leader? And she got ticked off because, and she said, no, I, I don't see that happening. And the anchors continued on that train of thought saying, well, if it does happen, what will happen? What if? Yeah. She got PO'd. It's not something I'm here to talk about. I'm not, not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about the policies and things like that. But that wasn't the case either, by the way. They, She was asked, well, inflation is the top of mind right now with uh, all of the electorate. What do you uh, what do you say to your Democratic candidates out there? And the fact is, is that uh, when I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard them there, we have to change that subject. Inflation is a global phenomenon. The EU, the European Union, the UK, the British have higher inflation rate than we do here. It's not the fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. But what she wants you to believe is that we didn't initiate it, meaning we just happened. We were the seed that started global inflation. As we go, so goes the world. It wasn't the other way around. And she's trying to tell us that, well, it's not just us. It's happening in France and England and Germany. It's all around the world. She is, um, she's the consummate politician, folks. She really is. Well, we need to back this bus up politically and uh, the way the mathematics work with the economy because we are being hosed and lied to. Uh, you, you look at everything. You got Sanders out there now. Go, oh, we got to put it on the Republicans' doorsteps. What, they're not going to give raises to fight inflation? Giving raises and jacking up the cost of everything, it's going to trickle down to more inflation. You know, it's a bigger problem than, you know, that kind of fix. And the next thing now is that uh, word is that Barack Obama is heading out on the campaign trail in these last two weeks to uh, to close the case, to summarize their argument, you know, why they should vote Democratic. I don't know whether that's a good thing. You have to remember that Barack Obama Everybody thinks that he was a very popular president. He was not. He was not. He had like, I think at his highest point, it was like 40% popularity. It was not a big popularity. No, but you know, he was, um, look, I'll just say it. He was black and the woke white are in love with, uh, uh, with black America because let's face it, all racism going back to the civil war and before, was obviously created by, you know, whites, but they were democratic. That's whites. exactly right. And yep. every, everything and every policy 
from before the war. We won that civil war, but when they got back in power, they overturned a lot of stuff because that is a party of slavery and hate. If you don't believe what we're saying here, just, it up. just go to a history book and get a list of Southern senators and representatives and look at their party affiliation in Congress uh, just before the Civil War. They yeah. were staunch advocates of slavery and the Southern cause. FDR, the New Deal, he was, he was, <laughs> Democrat. he was, yeah. yeah, he was a Democrat. And, and what he did was not to help, you know, the black families out there and, you know, take color away from it. Black families, they're, they're salt of the earth people and they're, they're, they're God fearing, just like you and me. You have, know? have we gotten a straight comment from a Democratic candidate at all in the last two years? I can't think of one. Let me tell you an example. Uh, on Saturday, Carmela Harris was asked about the Minnesota bail fund she promoted for the George Floyd riots in 2020. Let me refresh your mind. The Minnesota bail fund was a fund put together to bail out the BLM and Antifa rioters yeah. who were burning and looting the cities in Minnesota, right? Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And she uh, tweeted, and the tweet is still up. Let me see whether I can find the exact words. Well, I, I can't right now because it's buried in the paper here. But she essentially said, "I we need your support. Send your donations to the Minnesota Bail Fund to help you know, uh, uh, get the release of these innocent rioters, something like that. I mean, it was real, but now she's denying it. Now, oh, yeah. well, now Carmela is saying that's nonsense. That's mis misinformation. But what she doesn't understand much like Joe, when he makes comments and we see it, uh, uh, the truth in a video from some time ago, but, uh, Carmela doesn't realize that we've still got copies of that tweet. You know, she's telling the world that's misinformation that never happened, but all you have to do is go online. It's there. She yeah. Now they do do a good job of scrubbing things. Gives me an idea. I'll talk about off air, but, uh, uh -huh. you know, she, she was also the one that sat there when, uh, things didn't look like they were going to go her way and, uh, back to the George Floyd thing and everything. She was the one that that encouraged uh, BLM and Antifa to uh, burn it, baby. Yeah. You know, she didn't say it that way, but she was basically uh, giving them a call to arms to go out and, uh, you know, loot, mayhem, rape, blow up, burn, yeah. whatever. Well, and this you know, is the vice president of the United States. Yeah. The president wasn't terribly, uh, he kind of encouraged it too. Okay. Yeah. And, Eric Holder, his attorney general, he really encouraged it, you know? Well, and, and the media still promotes. And there was a gentleman that was on Fox over the weekend. He was talking about, and let's not forget how George Floyd died. And I'm like going, well, well George Floyd really died of his own volition. He created the circumstances. Now, I'm not saying for, uh, what was his name? Uh, the, the, the cop police was officer. Well, let me, let me tell you something. I, I'm not saying what happened to anybody. George Floyd should happen to anybody. Okay. That 
No. That, no one should die for be, just because they're being arrested. But that wasn't the total reason. A, right. He was filled up with drugs. They said, I think they said he had enough, was it fentanyl in him to, to you know, kill a horse? I mean, he had an enormous amount of illegal drugs in his system when this happened. And the kneeling procedure that the cop had on his, on a, I think he was kneeling on him, right? On his, on his neck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's in, or used to be in the Minneapolis handbook. That was a legal restraining move. You know, when cops have to take down somebody and a, and a perp, they got to take him down. He was a big man, Bill. Yeah. You've got to put them in a non-conforming hold to where they can't do anything. Now, they don't want to give up. You can't let up because they can turn around anything, even their hands, their fingers can gouge eyes and whatnot. You, you've got this perp down. And if the, now if this perp is drug duck, he doesn't know better. He doesn't know yeah. how to say, okay, uncle, I give. Yeah. You know, that, that's why they, you know, the, in, in military, they used to use uh, Hitler did it. They gave his soldiers meth. They became supermen. They could be running out in the battlefield and you'd fill them up with a, you know, uh, a round of fire. And the guy would look down and go, oh, go holes in my chest. I'm still going to get you because his brain was still working. His heart was still pumping mm-hmm. and he was going to get you because he became a superman, a monster. And when somebody's on drugs, they're a monster. They have made our society has made a saint out of George Floyd, who, if you look at his record, is a criminal. I mean, yeah. his whole life, his whole adult life, he's been arrested, criminal activity all over the place. This guy was not somebody we should be building statues to, but they are. The woke left is building statues to this guy. Well, you've got to understand what uh, he had in him. He had uh, he had uh, fentanyl in him. I you think just yeah, said right. He was jacked yeah. up on fentanyl. Right. Now, you know, everyone's going, well, China's making fentanyl to kill our kids. Fentanyl has been around for a long time. Fentanyl is used in nurse, nursing homes. It's used in elderly care when somebody has cancer. I think it used to be used in surgeries, didn't it? Didn't yeah. It? You're riddled in pain. Mm-hmm. So that's given to you. You have no pain. You're happy as, as a lark. You feel great, even though you're riddled in pain, you don't mm-hmm. know it. And you can do superhuman things for that age, but what it is their last ditch drug to let you go out with dignity. That's what it's for. So they have, um, the left has used Congress to set up this January 6th committee. It's a kangaroo court. Uh, everybody who's paying attention knows that it's obvious. Uh, mm-hmm. You have Liz Cheney saying, we're not going to allow it to be on te- uh, Trump's testimony to be on television uh, because we don't want to turn it into a circus. But it's, yeah. been, it's been a circus on television for the last two and a half months. So you know? the head clown says, we don't want this to become a circus. Ex- exactly right. All right. Uh, they also have weaponized it in such a way that when Steve Bannon thought he was doing the, the right and legal thing, meaning he worked uh, for the executive branch and because of national security, he couldn't testify in front of that committee. Uh, they had him essentially arrested and now they're sending him to jail. 
supposedly, I think he has to report on, was it the 15th, the 14th of, of November, I yeah. believe. Uh, but he was on Tucker Carlson's show on mm-hmm. Friday. And uh, I want you to listen to how calm he is. I I got to think that something's happening in the background that we're not privy to. Listen to this. This is a kind of a long segment, but it's worth it. Steve Bannon had nothing to do with January 6th. He wasn't there. He committed no crime. But that didn't stop the January 6th committee from trying to destroy him anyway. Today, Bannon was sentenced to four months in federal prison at the request of that committee. As Congressman Matt Gates has pointed out, the Department of Justice official who prosecuted Steve Bannon, a man called Matthew Graves, is a partisan Democrat. He was on Joe Biden's domestic policy committee in the 2020 campaign and worked for other Democratic campaigns. So what we're seeing clearly is the corruption of the rule of law. Congress held Lois Lerner and Eric Holder in contempt famously, but of course they never spent a day in jail and they were never going to because they were faithful Democrats. Tonight, Steve Bannon joins us for his first interview since his sentencing. Steve Bannon, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Do you agree with Matt Gates that this is partisan? That's 100%. I mean, the whole Justice Department under Merrick Garland has become radically partisan. And I think that's after we win on November 8th to deliver this crushing blow against the Democratic Party, this regime. Tucker, I strongly believe you'll see Merrick Garland impeached next year by the new Congress. I certainly hope so. People who say four months in prison is not a big deal. They've never been to a prison. It is a big deal. How are you going to respond to this? Do you plan to submit? Well... uh well, we, well, number one, we have the judge laid out today a number of areas of, of appeal. I've got a great legal team. Uh, my legal team is working on the appeals right now. We've got uh, appeals on you know use of a, attorney, uh, separation of powers, executive privilege, the structure of the, of the uh, January 6th committee. So we've got a lot of appeals. They'll work through the appeals process. And so this is all, my sentencing is all pending the, uh, the appeals process, and we'll work through it. Like I said on your show the first time, at the end of the day, I've got to go to prison by this illegitimate regime. Hey, I, I, I respect what the judge did today. I'm prepared to do it, but we got a long appeals process. What do you think this says about our system more broadly, however? I mean, you're saying that you're being sent to prison because you advised Donald Trump politically. I mean, that doesn't sound like a free country where that, something like that could happen. It's not free right now. You see this in the, whether it's the FBI rolling up uh, individuals praying in front of abortion centers or designating parents going to parents' rights at uh, school board meetings for parents' rights as domestic terrorists. The Justice Department is completely and totally out of control, and the FBI is out of control. That's why I'm a big believer in defund the FBI. Use the appropriations process to defund both these apparatuses until they come to the table and we start cleaning up the rat's nest. I think the only way you're going to do it is you got to start at the top. We got to impeach Ray, and we got to impeach Merrick Garland. After full investigations, I think Merrick Garland could be uh, impeached on the southern border. I think he can impeach by what he's trying to do to these parents, uh, the parents' rights movement. I think that Merrick Garland will be impeached next year by the new Congress. One of the reasons that our system has become partisan and the rule of law is evaporating is because no one's pushing back against it. Are you satisfied with the response from elected Republicans to what's happened to you? Is anyone sticking up for you, do you think? 
I think it's fine. And look, look, elected Republicans, what they need to do now is focus on the 8th of November. Tucker, there's no substitute for victory. We have a very good opportunity here to shatter the Democratic Party as a national political institution from school boards to state legislatures to uh, attorney general secretaries of state to take the House by 40 or 50 seats and maybe take the Senate by four or five seats. To me, elected officials right now should just focus on winning and winning with the biggest at the biggest wave we can. I, 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 I can do this myself with my lawyers. I don't need Republicans to have my back. What I want Republicans to do is in the new Congress is to focus on cleaning out the rat's nest at DOJ and cleaning out the rat's nest at the FBI. If you're Lois Lerner or you're Eric Holder, both of whom committed, uh, from my read, actual crimes against the country, unlike you, you have not been accused even of doing that, and both of them skated on contempt charges, uh, do you think they're ashamed? Do they see the double standard? Has either one reached out to you to commiserate with you? I'm, I'm serious, like on a human level. Look, the, the, as you know, the city is so partisan. This process now is so partisan. And they are some of the most partisan people, especially Eric Holder. Eric Holder is the hatchet man for Obama. So, no. they did. And by the way, I wouldn't want him to. Right now, hey, this is an unbridgeable gap. You have the Republicans and the MAGA forces on one side. You have these radical Democrats on another. You see this is not rule of law. It's like a banana republic. You can't compromise in this. There's no substitute for victory. We have to win massively on the 8th, and then this new Congress has to really go and enforce the rule of law. And the way you enforce the rule of law is start serious investigations, not political, serious investigations, Tucker, and after those investigations, start bringing articles of impeachment and throw these bums out, whether it's Mayorkas at DHS or Garland at the Attorney right. General, and who knows where it ends. Yeah, who knows where it ends is right. Steve Bannon, good luck. I'd be, I'd, you don't seem worried. I'd be worried uh, if I were you. You're, you're a brave man, and I appreciate your coming on. Thank you. Thanks, Tucker. Appreciate it. Lois Lerner, Eric Holder, both contempt of court. Nothing. Nothing. This right. guy, he, he essentially is in contempt of court, but he gives a, a logical reason for not testifying because he was part of the executive branch. They put him in jail for. Four months and fine him $6,500. This is, I'm going to show you. See what they've done to Bannon. Now, with Trump, now you got that, that attorney general in New York. She's a piece of crap. But now she's going after the Trump empire. Everyone's going, oh, he's in trouble now. Tax evasion, all that. They're not actually going after Trump personally. They're going after his businesses. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, they want to take him down. <clears throat> financially mm -hmm. big time and embarrass him uh that's all this is about they want to show who's really the boss and who is in charge no matter what and that's why pelosi is sitting there going uh i'm still going to be speaker of the house in her mind they've already figured out how they're going to win this thing even if they don't it's it, it it's it's going to be interesting what surprises me bill is that and people have said this who are probably a lot smarter than me. Um, they have said that it takes a while for the country to catch on. And I'm always surprised at that. I, it seems so obvious to me what the other side has done wrong. But I guess there are a lot of people who are working hard at their day-to-day -day jobs. And, and they're caught up in the things like feeding their family and, and uh, taking care of their kids. Taking them to games. Like a lot of young parents do. That they... they they're not paying attention to the politics that are going on in the world. And 
but I think they're now just starting to catch on. I want to play for you uh, first a couple of cuts. This is this is Biden. All right. On Friday, uh, he was speaking in front of a crowd, and he says this. Listen to this. But look at what I've inherited, and what I've done. Look at what I've inherited, and look at what I've done. You oh. inherited a good economy. <laughs> yes. You inherited an economy with yes. inflation levels. Yes, they were going up from things that Obama did, but they were very low yeah. when you <laughs> got into office. And now, yeah. you know, look at them. You know, you were we were down at 2% when you got into office. And now where are we? Yeah. And you want to sit there and say it's nothing? You want to blame it on everybody else? It is you and your stupid goonies that have done all of this. Secure borders. We were getting out of Afghanistan in a dignified way. You just, And then he comes in and yanks the cord and all that tragedy with the 13 deaths and uh, and and the other deaths we don't hear about. The, well, the people in Afghanistan who died. Uh, do you remember there was a they they had a drone strike just before yeah. the and they killed a bunch of innocent people. We did. Yeah, yeah, we did it. Yeah, they don't. Well, talk he about did it. it. We did. You know, but yeah. that's the way I look at it. You're the commander in chief. You're the one in charge. Do you remember when they took office and they talked about and they, they went down and they did the fake videos of the detainment cages for the kids mm-hmm. and they blamed it all on Trump. But the, fact was that was built by the obama administration and joe they're the ones that built those cages because they were bringing people right. across the border illegally as a matter of fact 2014 i think 2014 yeah. and during that time up to when trump left about a half million people came across but there's but the power now, of the, there's the power of the media bill the damn media kept saying those were trump's cages those were Trump's cages. They wouldn't they spend. Lied. They wouldn't spend the time to do a true investigation. They weren't. They were never Trump's cages. Also, another thing you you talk about things we don't that have happened since Biden's been in office. I just found this out this morning. This could be catastrophic. Biden economy. U.S. has only twenty five days of diesel su- uh, supply shortage could cripple our economy. Diesel. Fuel, three yeah. weeks supply. Well, now he he came up with an answer yesterday. He's going to refill the strategic reserve, and how is he going to do it? Well, he's encouraging uh, the uh, the domestic producers to produce more oil that he will buy at sixty seven dollars a barrel. That's the price. Well, the market was is way higher than that. So, in other words, what yeah. he's like Babe Ruth calling a shot, but you're not Babe Ruth. Yeah. And this isn't baseball. This is real world economy. And you're trying to lowball these people. I would sit there and look at him going like, screw you, Joe. Yeah, but in the same you created week, this. in the same week, at the end of the week, he says what you just said, right? We'll, yeah. we'll buy this oil from you at a cheap price. But the beginning of the week, he was saying we're going to take 10 to 15 million more barrels from the strategic reserve. It's just about gone. Yeah. Okay, and let's 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 paint the picture of the world right now. Oh. Russia is re- ready to commit twenty million troops to death to win their war. Now, I'm not saying they're right, but I'm not saying that we need to be in a Ukraine because they're asking for more money. At what point, when we're bleeding right now financially, do yeah. we cut 
the, the we got to take him off the tit. Kevin McCarthy said on over the weekend, he said, if I become the Speaker of the House, we're going to want accountability to our money. We're not going to just write blank checks to the Ukraine. And I don't want to send money to the Ukraine well, the anymore Democrats, because how much are we going to send? You know what the Democrats did? They turned around and said that he was on the side of Putin. They started no. making him to be a Putin ally. Okay. We are picking a war with Russia. We have given them uh, an energy stance that we gave up of ours. And it's not going to come back overnight, even if... Even if God came in and parted the Red Sea and parted the clouds and said, Trump is back in office, office, <laughs> office, it is not going to sit there and undo overnight. What Joe has done in two years is going to take at least that long to fix. And now, and in two years' time, China is ready to go to world war over Taiwan, and they've got all the shipping channels, they've got all the exports, they will not only be a, 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 a war power what you're with saying, the new Navy and everything. What you're saying is, be, is because of this this illegal election, this steal that we had. It was a steal. It set us way back. In the meantime, our enemies, there was no delay on their plans to build and strengthen themselves. They kept growing. They kept going. So you're right. If Trump comes back in and has to straighten everything, it may take him two years just to or fix longer. the damage. Yeah. Or longer. You know, look, and I'm not saying the Republicans are a perfect party, but the point is, it is the only, when I say hope, it's the only prayer that we have. Yeah, and there is no other option. Prayers, just so you know, not all prayers get answered. Yeah, there is no other option. There is no yeah, other option. You, you right cannot now. go. If you want to be uh, and live in a tyrannistic country, if you do not want to be able to have the American dream because they lie about that, the average person can no longer afford a starter home at, with the economy the way it is. And see, that's where you, and just by that alone, you know that this 8.2% you know, inflation is a lie because they changed the way they look at the numbers. Because that is really 16, 17%. And that would explain why you can't buy a starter home. We are in a deep, deep, deep pool of doo-doo. So while we're sitting here talking about what's happening domestically, what we don't see is what's happening in the Ukraine and in areas near the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. For the first time in 80 years, the 101st Airborne was deployed to Europe. First time in 80 years. They're doing war game with some of our NATO allies right on the border. You say, how close, Jim? I'll tell you. Within three miles of the Ukrainian border, we're doing war games. Okay? And I'm going to play for you a report uh, from CBS. And I want you to listen to the rah-rah reporting. Like, they're making it sound like it's a promo for a new TV series, action-adventure series. I want you to listen very carefully. At one point, uh, when you hear them sounding a little uh, thin in their conversation, it's because they're in a helicopter talking into headset mics, but uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. Listen. 
since the start of the war in Ukraine back in February, the U.S. military has added an additional 20,000 troops to the European theater, taking the total there to around 100,000. And many of those troops are in Eastern Europe. Only on CBS Mornings, we are getting a look at the U.S. forces closest to the fighting in Ukraine, supporting NATO allies and sending a very clear message to Russia. Charlie Daggett is in Romania for us this morning. Charlie, good morning. Good morning, Tony. Romania is now home to the 101st Airborne Division. It's the first time it's been headquartered here in Europe in nearly 80 years. This is some of the equipment they brought from home. A 777 howitzer ready to roll at any minute. They're specifically trained to deploy on any battlefield in the world within hours. Go, 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 go! Ready to fight. The reason one of America's most elite oh, air assault oh, divisions has been sent right here, right now. We joined Deputy Commander Brigadier General John Lubis and Colonel Edwin Mathedis, commander of the 2nd Brigade Combat Team, on board a Black Hawk helicopter for an hour's chopper ride to the very edge of NATO territory, around three miles from the border with Ukraine. From the start of the war, Russia advanced from Crimea along the Black Sea to Kherson, aiming to capture port cities like Mykolaiv and Odessa to landlock Ukraine. We're right about here. along the Black Sea coast as we head further north. We're roughly 20 miles away from Snake Island, this contentious island that's been fought over between the Ukrainians and the Russians, currently under Ukrainian control. At a forward operating site, we watched as U.S. soldiers and Romanian troops pounded targets in a joint ground and air assault. The tank rounds and artillery fire are real. So is the enemy, meant to recreate the fight against Russian forces in Ukraine. A message to Russia and NATO allies alike, we're here. The real meaning for me to have the American troops here is like if you were to have allies in Normandy before any enemy was there. In all, roughly 4,700 soldiers of the 101st Screaming Eagles from Fort Campbell, Kentucky, have been deployed to reinforce NATO's eastern flank. You've had an opportunity to, to watch, observe, possibly study the Russians. What do you think of them so far? So we're, uh, we're closely watching them. So we're building uh, objectives to, to practice against that replicate exactly what's going on in Ukraine. We're the closest American unit to the fighting in Ukraine. And what does that feel like? What does that mean? It uh, keeps us on, uh, keeps us on our toes, right? So it makes my ready to fight tonight is a message that we've heard repeatedly. It's not just about defending NATO territory, but if the fight escalates and NATO partners are under threat, they're fully prepared to cross over into Ukrainian territory if ordered to do so. Back to you in the studio. Boy, Charlie Daggett, of course, in Romania, 101st yeah. Airborne, they've deployed to every major conflict since D-Day, mm. uh, and you sure hope they don't have to add another one to the list. Yeah. Oof, scary stuff. You're glad we have them, though. Yeah, you're right about that. You would have thought I was listening to a uh, a promo, a trailer for, like, uh, Saving Private Ryan or something, you know? I mean, ready to fight tonight. Uh, you know what it sounded like to me? 
And everybody's seen the bug war movie, Starship Troopers. Yeah. And be a good citizen. Enlist today. Yeah. Let's get the howitzer out. Well, howitzer is a pretty mean gun, but it's pretty old gun, too. So if that's the best we got, sorry, we're screwed. Well, no, they were over there with some pretty heavy stuff. You, they, He talked about the howitzer because they had it on video, but they yeah. had every, they had all the toys. They didn't yeah, go, they, they, they went there with all the bells and whistles. But interesting, I want to read to you this, too. On Saturday, in an interview with L'Express from France, David Petraeus stated, a multinational force led by the U.S. may intervene in the Ukraine. We're talking about the intervention of the North Atlantic Alliance in the event of an attack on one of the NATO members but it is necessary to consider the option of using not NATO forces in the Ukraine, but multinational forces that have nothing to do with NATO, Petraeus said. These guys are chomping at the friggin' bit to go to war again. As I was listening to that report, which is done to get us all psyched up and ready to fight, right, as a yeah, country. Yeah, that was a theatrical yeah. piece. Uh, as I was listening to that, I was thinking, I was always taught that Congress had to declare war. It had to be a congressional act of war. Well, you got to you gotta keep in mind one thing. Let's just say in two weeks from tomorrow, Congress mm -hmm. gets the boot. Right. How long do they have to do whatever it is they want to do? Well, they're going to have two months. They're going to have two months. They're going to have two months. Yeah. Oh, trust me. Trust me. What they will do in that two months' time, and you know what? Depending on what they could do, mm -hmm. they could actually kind of freeze the election and not have a change of power. Wow. Listen to this. One other side story, all related to this military yep. buildup. This was this morning. This is not Saturday or Sunday. This is this morning. Uh, Russian authorities have warned on Sunday that the Ukraine plans to detonate a dirty nuclear bomb on its That's own true. territory in order to provoke World War III. Would this surprise anybody, especially after two Russian pipelines to Europe have been sabotaged in the last month? U.S. troops on the Ukraine-Romanian border are training in combat deployment. Uh, they are preparing for a possible invasion. The U.S. slammed the Russian dirty bomb claim uh, today, meaning well, they poo-pooed it. Yeah, they poo-pooed it, and now, you know, we said it a while ago with the uh, the uh, uh, Nordic Stream that it really looked like we did it. Now the, the overall consensus around the world is, <laughs> we did it. You know, we admit, Joe admitted we were going to do it, and yeah. we've got a history of doing stuff like that. Yeah, he threatened, and, he threatened the whole thing. Yeah, and really, out of all the players in the world, we were probably the only ones capable of doing it. So, you know, it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like one. It just, had to be us. Just before the Ukrainian war in February, Joe said if if uh, the Russians cross the border into the Ukraine, we're going to take out Nord Stream 1 and 2. They won't. Mm -hmm. And they said, you mean you, you're going to blow it up or you're going to destroy it? He, well, it won't be there. He said something like that. Biden said it. So uh, you're absolutely correct. There should be no question as to who blew it up. Well, you know what? If we uh, if we get ourselves into a war and we lose, mm -hmm. uh, our leaders that are in charge in Congress and in the uh, United uh, States, uh, well, the Washington D.C., just remember the victors will come in and uh, 
it wouldn't be a good day for you. I agree. You know, if we lose and, um, you know, I'm not going to say we're going to lose, but I'm not going to say we're going to win this one. Staying overseas, I want to play for you a cut from, uh, I believe it's from Sydney, uh, Australia, from uh, 7 News in Sydney. Also over the weekend, Japan and Australia, in a historic move that nobody in the United States is talking about, they signed a security agreement. They're going to share intelligence between each other. See, they're all starting to realize, wait a second, we're closer to each other than most countries. You're just up the road, Japan. And uh, so they're going to be passing information back and forth. Also, Japan is increasing their military force dramatically. They've, uh, they're building more ships. They're building more airplanes. They have more soldiers coming in. But I want you to hear this report. This is from Seven News in Sydney, Australia. Gearing up for a uniquely Australian experience. There we go. <laughs> Worth the initial awkwardness for the photo op. Sound like big teddy bears. Even if it took a bit of convincing to say goodbye. <laughs> from one humorous handover to another. <laughs> And the reason for Fumio Kishida's visit to Perth, signing a new joint security declaration, updating the agreement struck between John Howard and Shinzo Abe in 2007. This landmark declaration sends a strong signal to the region of our strategic alignment. Lifting intelligence sharing and military cooperation to a new level. The strengthening of Australia-Japan's special strategic partnership will play an important role in promoting peace and Stability. Promising to consult each other on issues that affect regional stability and to work together to address them. It's a step up in the relationship at a critical point uh, when both Japan and Australia are facing a serious challenge from China. This is very welcome. Uh, Japan is uh, Australia's best friend in Asia. A new partnership on critical minerals was also signed today. Both countries agreeing to build secure supply chains of the elements essential in clean energy technologies. In the meantime, though, Japan remains heavily reliant on Australian gas and coal for its energy needs. And the recent turmoil over domestic supply and cost pressures sent jitters through the Japanese economy. Anthony Albanese reassuring his counterpart, Australia remains a reliable partner in energy and the Indo-Pacific. Rob Scott, 7 News. So while we're over here talking about transgender and uh, puberty blockers and things like that, uh, the, the rest of the world is boiling. We have mm -hmm. the Ukraine boiling. We have uh, Europe boiling. We have Australia, Taiwan, Japan, China boiling, North Korea. All these things are happening, but they want us as as people to pay attention to just the silly things that are going on in this in this country. I mean, do you realize Biden had he had uh, a transgender? Uh, at the White House on Friday, just before he he scurried off to uh, Delaware for his weekend and his Delaware home, his beach oh, home. Oh, pray tell, who was this transgender, one that's in the news all the time? Yeah. <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney. Oh, yeah. I got to play this for you because we all, after hearing all the heavy stuff we've played so far, we need a, a, a slight pause because some of the things he's going to say are going are gonna to crack you up. I'm, I mean... He is. Uh, Doesn't he really kind of tell women how to be women? Yeah. 
Exactly. And he's a dude. He, he's a dude. He's a no. dude. Listen. He's a dud. <laughs> it's day 222 of being a girl. I'm in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to the White House to speak to the President of the United States. Huh. You know that phrase, I fear I may have girl-bossed too close to the sun? Well, that's how I feel today, because I get to sit down with Joe Biden and now this news, and I get to ask him a few questions surrounding trans issues in the United States and talk to him about my transness, and I, I really just want to represent my community the best that I can. And you know what? As silly as I am on here, I'm ready to step up and show that trans people, we're not going anywhere, and that trans kids, they deserve a fighting chance to be their true self. Okay. Oh my God, I'm running late. Let's go. And y'all are obviously wondering what I'm going to wear to meet the president. Here you go. It's the trans flag colors. Cute, right? It's the heels. Okay. Dylan, you're going to be great. I love you. Let's go. Come on. Do you think I just knock on the front door? Let's go. Looking for the president's dog. Our queen, love you. I love you. We're about to go. Is there anything in my teeth? Leaving on cloud nine. The president of the United States gave me a cookie. He gave me a cookie in the Oval Office. Now here's the question. Do I eat it or do I save it? It has a seal. I, please, honestly, tell me. Everyone, I want to pet the dog. I got to pet his dog. I'm still in shock and don't be mad, but I don't get to post any of the footage until after the interview airs on Sunday night, but it's going to be worth it because I can't wait for you to hear everything that we talked about. I left with a lot of hope and optimism, not only for just trans people, but many different topics. And the fact that our president has watched Days of Girlhood, it's kind of epic. And I'm not going to lie, I have been, I've been having a rough go of it lately, a lot of darkness and and today was what I needed to keep going. Um, also, if you live in the U.S. and can legally vote, this is going to be one of the most important elections of our lifetimes. So please get out and vote next month. There is so much darkness in this world. I mean, sometimes the bad actually outweighs the good, but we have to get in the mud right now, and we're going to clean up some messes that have needed. That's uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, I have a question for Dylan. Mm-hmm. Did Joe walk around behind you, kind of snuggle up and I think, sniff <laughs> your, your, your hair? No, but I have to tell you what he, who he did that to. Oh. The MSNBC reporter that interviewed him over the weekend, and I'm going to play a clip of that in a few minutes. Uh, he is uh, a gentle soul, this reporter. He's not one of your dynamic, uh, you know, Marlboro Man kind of reporters. He's right. uh, gentle. I'll leave it at that, okay? So the president went over and put his arms on both shoulders of the reporter, and I guess he massaged the shoulders while he was talking to him. I mean, oh, geez. This, Joe is a, a real touchy-feely kind of guy, I got to tell you. But, but another, Dylan didn't get his hair snipped by Joe? I don't know, but they were having a good time. I mean, uh, no, I was going to say that, Dylan, you're not a woman. Well, Joe did not say— Not enough for the president, Joe, anyway. <laughs> Joe said nobody, nobody— should uh, uh, interfere with anyone wanting to be a transgender. First of all, I heard Dylan say, we're not going anywhere. I don't want him to go anywhere. If you want to you dress like no, that? No, I don't do, want him to go anywhere. Do your but own if they thing, want have me a... to think about where they can go, I will definitely put some thought to it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, over the week, uh, over last week, I guess uh, in England, this was along the same lines. Another transgender, a comedian, was on this TV show on on the BBC. 
Now, you have to understand that the BBC is dignified. It's stayed. It's the BBC. It's the, it's the, it's the network by which all other networks base their stuff. I mean, they used to have something, the BBC Guide to being a radio announcer. I mean, they had a list of things that you, if you want to do it right, do it like the BBC. I say that because a transgender comedian made an appearance on BBC's Channel 4 Friday night and shocked the live audience by by stripping completely naked at the end of the song and then playing the piano using his penis. Now, there's a video. And, of course, we're audio, so you can't see it. But if you think I'm lying, uh, go check it out for yourself. But if you check out the video, don't do it with little children in the room. And I kept thinking when I looked at him playing the piano with his member, right? Mm -hmm. I kept thinking. So to speak. I kept thinking. I don't want to ever play that keyboard ever, ever, ever. I don't want to, I don't want to touch that thing. There is a transgender that listens to our shows. Never really said anything negative or positive. I have nothing, but you live your own life. Well, this one you would probably know is a famous top 40 program director in Houston Mm -hmm. and um, decided one day uh, he would get in touch with us. His true self, and uh, he became a woman, and uh, he's a comedian now. And uh, I'm Bill, not going to say the name. I'm not going to do we're that. we're in broadcasting. I yeah. can go back 50 years. I know it's hard for people to believe that I'm that old. You you started when you yeah. were, what, five? I was two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two. But I can go back 50, 50 yeah. years, and I worked with many a gay announcer, and I... I it was never a big deal, even back then. They, you know, the arts uh, are there. There were a oh, lot yeah. of crea- it, it, there it, are it, a lot of creative people who have that touched. proclivity. Okay, and and that's their business. And you know, yeah. they never bothered me. I actually had a couple. I one of my, I won't say his name. One of my best friends in broadcasting. Uh, I didn't realize it for quite some time because I was incredibly naive back in nineteen in the nineteen seventies. But he was gay. Yeah. So that's that's his life. What they're doing now is they're going on the BBC. They're pulling off their dress, standing there, st- you know, stark it, naked, with their hmm hanging out. And then not only is it hanging out, but they're going over to their keyboard and playing I don't know chopsticks with his. <laughs> With his, uh, as Chuck Berry used to say, his dingling. <laughs> you remember that yeah, song? Yeah, my dingling. My dingling. <laughs> yeah, that was a great song, too. Another interesting thing happened over the uh, weekend. The state of California, I don't know that you're aware of this or not, you know, 95% of the land mass of California is conservative. I mean, yeah. they really are. It's, yeah, I know. So what they've been trying to do, maybe you've heard about this, is they're trying to split the state. Three, they, yeah, into three states. No, only two. They have well, they, at one time yeah. they talked about three. They did, but there's only two now. It's California and New California. New California is everything other than San Francisco and L.A. Uh, literally, if you look at the map, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And they have gotten to a point where uh, they're basing their approach as to how to do this on the state of West Virginia. Because, you know, in West Virginia, it, that was part of Virginia 
up until the Civil War. Right. And then they, a lot of people who lived in, in Virginia said, we don't want to do this. We want to stay with the Union. We don't want to become a Confederate state. So they broke away, and they did it legally. And during the Civil War, they became West Virginia. And this is the approach they're doing in California. They think they, think they have precedent, and they think they can pull it off. Well, they've just voted to elect a governor, a lieutenant governor, a secretary of state, and I forgot the other thing. But they've, they've voted to put together some a governmental work. system. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that could be big. But getting back to what I was talking about a second ago, we're being distracted, Bill. We're being distracted by a lot of silly things, the transgender thing. and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's not silly to the transgenders. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But when you consider that compared to the possibility of nuclear war, uh, there's no contest. Is it a possibility or is it a... Is it a... Uh, Goal? Well, is it a possibility or a distinct possibility? I think right now it's more of a distinct possibility. All right, because, you know, you look at the DEFCON clock, and they're going, oh, yeah, it's a three, you know, oh, it's a two. And mm-hmm. I'm going like, not according to the news, it is not. When 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 we're sitting there, the guys are at the ready in the, in the bullpens to fire up the, you know, and that's kind of an old analogy because I don't think there's anybody sitting in a silo anymore. <laughs> But um, I could be wrong. But the fact is, we are ready to flip the switch and go. And I know Russia is, and I know China is. China is, uh, you know, they the one old leader that was there, they escorted him out and they poo-pooed him over the weekend. I saw that, yeah, in China. Yeah, it was the predecessor to Xi Jinping. Yeah, and Z, yeah, Z now. He's got everybody that is a crony of his in charge. Mm-hmm. And what what is now totally in charge in China, there is no um, there is no counter thinking. Did you see what happened as the guy he, they went over to him and they asked him to stand up and he's sitting right next to Xi. Yeah. Right? And they they literally grab him by each arm. And they start to escort him, and the guy leans over to, to Xi Jinping as if to say, "Hey, what's going on? It's you're you're okay with this?" And Xi Jinping sort of nods his head yes, and kind of waves his arms, yeah, and off he goes. Yeah, and that you know that is a Chinese tradition when they do that. When you're no longer that that guy is gone, he may as well just sit there and take a nightcap and not, not wake up because mm-hmm. if he doesn't take it, they'll give it to him. He's out of there. Well, we we talk about nuclear war. When the Russians turn around and say, hey, look it, the Ukrainians are going to set off a, a dirty nuclear bomb in their own country to try to ignite World War III. When the Russians are warning the world, don't believe it's us, look to the Ukraine. And when you hear our side saying, oh, that's ridiculous, Oh, that's silly. Poo-pooing it. Why are we so anxious to poo-poo it? Why don't we take a breath for a second and say, wait a second, we don't want any bombs going off by anybody in the Ukraine, any nuclear bombs, whether it's Ukraine or Russian, we don't want it to happen. If the Russians say it to Ukraine, you should turn around to the Ukrainians and say, wait a second, the Russians are saying you're going to set it off. We don't want that to happen. We've given you a lot of money, and there's more on the way, and it will stop if you do something like this. But these people aren't doing that. They 
want some stuff to happen over there. Yeah, and you know what though, I don't think that we. It, it, yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't want them to set off a dirty bomb. But if they do, that's their own. That's their own bad. As long as we don't have anything to do with it. But giving them any more money, you know, obviously the amount of money that we've given hasn't done squat. So any more that we give them will not do squat. So it it tells me that it, it we're fighting a useless battle. Yeah, we're fighting Afghanistan. You know, Russia. Uh, well, you know, you, you look at uh, uh, Great Britain, it financially ruined them. And then Russia, and they pulled out in disgrace. And then Joe, well, we gave them a bunch of hardware and pulled out of there. Before we end this show, I want to play one cut. It doesn't really relate to this, but it's interesting. And it, it talks to censorship in our country, what's mm -hmm. going on with the news. Uh, and this surprised me. <clears throat> Laura Logan was on Eric Bowling's show yeah. uh, on Friday. and. Sure. Laura Logan made a comment about she believes in God and she, and she made a comment along the lines of, uh, uh, how did she phrase it? Something like, uh, they want us to eat bugs while they're, while they're dining on the blood of children, a line similar to that, which people automatically, the woke people said, Oh, that's QAnon. That's QAnon. There are a lot of people in the world well, I, I got a I got a PSA right here. I could play it for you now, but we haven't got time. I'll play it for you maybe tomorrow and the next day. The yeah, the, the bugs. eating bugs, right? Yeah, I got that, and that's a real thing. But here's what she said: It's a minute and fifty two seconds long, but mm -hmm. I want you to think about this. We can talk about it more later tomorrow. But right out of the socialist playbook: you divide and conquer. You don't tell yeah. them your intent. You get people to come in. You get your useful idiots. Those of us who are paying lie, for these lie, people to have lie. all these luxuries. <laughs> And they lie yeah. about it. Yeah. How's it end? Well, badly. It, end? <laughs> it ends badly for some. Um, okay, so on a serious note, um, you know, people of all faiths have said to me that this is a spiritual battle. I am a firm and solid and immovable believer in God. And I believe that God wins. I believe that good is greater than evil. And I believe that the fallen angel, otherwise known as Satan, doesn't get to prevail in this world. So um, if you follow the Bible or if you follow the Quran or you follow uh, the Book of Mormon, you know, people talk in various different ways about the end times. And if you fight for God, God will fight for you. But people final, humanity. Final thought, Laura. Uh, final thought, though. I have to, I have to ask you this because my, my audience is, is very God-fearing, God-loving, etc. Final thought. I only a couple of seconds, please. Um, does is God okay with a closed border? much bigger than that. God believes that in, in sovereignty and national identity and the sanctity of family and all the things that we've lived with from the beginning of time. And he knows that the open border is Satan's way of taking control of the world through all of these uh, people who are his stooges and his and his uh, servants. And they may think that they're going to become gods. That's what they tell us. You all know Harari and, and all the rest of them at the World Economic Forum. You know, the ones who want us eating insects, cockroaches and that while they dying uh, on the blood of children. <laughs> yeah. Those are the people, right? They're not yeah. going to win. We, They're not going to win. Well, yeah. You know, and Eric Bowling was fine with it. I mean, he, he let her. Yeah, but speak. you know what? Yeah, that was a setup question. It was a staged question. 
Because about but, that, is God okay with open borders? You know, that was totally that was a stupid question. It yeah. was a stupid question, but yeah. I think it was staged because you know, and she answered it properly. And as far well, as not, the not as far as Newsmax is concerned, they've banned her. Well, then Newsmax can go to hell. They, yeah, they just they just walked over, and they may as well just say they're uh, MSNBC too. After that interview, after that interview, they, they 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 pulled the plug on Laura Logan. She's not welcome at the network. Right. So they they believe in the big lie. Absolutely. And, you know now you know Ted Cruz has got a you know, and he's not a he backs Trump now, but they weren't friends. They get along yeah. now, but he's got a new book out. And he talks about, you know, the, 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 the days before January 6th and everything, and that he's got the proof that, yeah, the election was stolen. And he talks about everything that went on and when they went in to do the votes and everything. And it's all in that book. So it's a good book to get. I think it's on Amazon right now. Comes out this week. We are just about done. We can talk about this some more tomorrow. I have tons of stuff we didn't get to because, well, we had a lot of stuff over the weekend. But uh, we will we will bring this up again tomorrow. I think that Newsmax, they're trying to walk this line of being the conservative network, but they don't want to offend their buddies in New York who are woke. They're sort of like a mini Fox now. Fox is overtly doing that. I mean, Fox is... You know, they they were the ones who called Arizona for Biden before anybody else in the media. But yet well, they still want to pre present themselves as a conservative network. Take a tip from, oh, I don't know, a transgender. Be yourself. Yeah. So if you are a conservative network, be a conservative yeah, network. Yeah, but there's more to it. I, th I think I truly believe in this. Maybe people will say I'm QAnon and I'm not. I don't. I didn't even know what QAnon was until uh, I don't know a couple of years ago, and I heard. I didn't know what it was. It's been around. I didn't for a know while. what it was, but you know, I've been accused of it. And yeah, you know, if you want to label me, go ahead and label me because I'm going to label you too. I do believe there's a lot of stuff happening in the background that we're mm -hmm. not privy to. I think there are things going on in government that we're we're not being told is happening. I mean, we are. We're pawns. We're pawns. Mm -hmm. They want to. We've already talked about uh, World Economic Forum wanting to cut the population. We've already talked about things like that. And we have wars that we didn't start that we're walking towards, but we could go on and on and we don't have the time. My friend, yeah. it is always a pleasure. It is always, always fun. It is always fun. We'll do it again tomorrow unless, uh, uh, yep. unless uh, something happens that. The internet goes bye-bye or yeah. something like that, yeah. And if something major happens, even on a regular day, if yeah, something we'll major happens, we'll come back. So check back. Have a great day, my friend. Hey, you do the same. Out of here.